Greetings, citizen. Welcome to the show, and thank you for listening. For more of the art of wargaming in your life, definitely check us out on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to support the show, we have a Patreon account where you can do just that for as little as $1 a month. What we can offer will expand as the show does. If you don't have extra funds, but would still like to help us out, you can give us a like, share, or five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to get in touch? Feel free to message us or hit up our email, artofwargamingpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you because we know the world is vast, with many different ideas on tactics and strategy that can be applied to the games we enjoy. Welcome to the Art of Wargaming on the Earverm Network. I am Yaga Malark. Today, we're going to be taking a quick break from our usual programming of doing some Napoleon and analyze a little bit of Tenth with my buddy Toto. Uh, he and I are going to play a game together and kind of give our thoughts afterwards with this new Tenth edition, which I'm very much looking forward to, by the way. My, my cursory reading of the rules and kind of my, my understanding as it is now it makes me hopeful for it. You know, I, I, I'm all for simplifying stuff, not, not making it simple as they've said, but, uh, you know, simplifying something so that it's more accessible to more people and a little bit easier to use. Uh, so I, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I, I think it'll be a good little time to, to test out the new rule set, but, um, a small housekeeping thing. You, you may have noticed that our production schedule has gotten a little wonky recently. That, you know, uh, we haven't been publishing exactly on Sundays. And uh, this happens. If you've been following the show for a while, you'll know that it happens every summer because we, uh, I mean, we get busy. As I'm sure you get busy. The summertime is a, a good time to be out doing things and doing wargaming and campaigning or preparing for. So I'm, uh, I'm much like the rest of you and <laughs> enjoying my summer. So we're going to try to get this out as close to us on schedule as possible. But with all the stuff going on, like vacations and uh, chaos wars happening at the end of the month here, which I am so stoked for. I am, I am ready for some chaos wars action. I haven't been in a while and I have some folks who are making it possible for me to go. So we'll, uh, we'll get some good coverage and some good interviews in there as well. So... But yeah, apart from that, I just wanted to let you all know that I'm still thinking about you. We're still chugging right along, just a little bit of irregularity until the beautiful weather starts to subside a little bit. So I can't think of anything. Cassius, can you think of anything else? Yeah, I can't either. So without further ado, let's check out this 10th edition. Hi guys, sitting here with me right now is my good buddy and longtime uh, friend, Mr. Toto. Toto, welcome back on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, glad to be back, Sir Malark. How are you doing today? I am doing just fine because I get to play my first game of 10th edition with a good buddy. So I am stoked uh, about today. Uh, like I said, this is going to be my very first game of 10th edition and your second game of Correct. 10th edition. Correct. So we're both still spanking new to this and, and learning the ropes. And I mean, Toto is way deeper in the meta than I am right now. I just read old books for the most part. But Toto, Toto's got the new stuff going on. But I, um, I like to play games and I like to do it at a high level if I can. So I got to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we've got two very interesting lists, I think, today. Um, I'm running Imperial Knights, and Toto is running Grey Knights, so we've got a whole lot of knight action on the field. Knight on knight. Um, but, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm running big stompy boys, and he's running primarily infantry. I'm, my list is very uh, easy. I've got a Castellan, an Errant, two Helverins, and then uh, six. Yeah, six. Yep. <laughs> a smattering of Warglaves. Warglaves, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And, you know, it's, it's honestly just based on what I have available. Like, this is not a put-together list, like, looking at what's meta right now, because I honestly don't know. But just, like, uh, half of my models are currently in the shop. So this is what I had to work with. And hopefully it'll be a good list. And, Absolutely. Uh, Toto brought something that is probably going to be a decent counter for it. I'm, I, 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 I'm hoping that it'll help me put up a fight. I think it will. I've, I've got a lot of mortal wounds with some librarians. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, right now, I think the librarian is well regarded as the best data sheet in the Grey Knight's army. And this sure. is, as of today, the uh, Games Workshop has dropped the Leviathan Tournament Companion, which we will get to use. Uh, I'm very excited about that. But back to the list. Um, I've got, I've got a couple of librarians, three of them, Kaldor Drago for a six inch charge out of Deep Strike. And then I'm going to have a, uh, a brother captain and some paladins and they've got some nice devastating wound, uh, synergy in their data sheet. And I'm hoping to pop them into a land raider, which I've borrowed from my good buddy, Kyle. Thank you very much. Uh, and Malark has never seen one in a game before. I haven't actually. Like it, it's, it, I've been playing this game for years now, and I've never used one or seen one in a game. So I'm actually stoked <laughs> to go against one. Yeah, and uh, that's also a pretty darn good data sheet in uh, in our codex these days. It's got a little bit of anti tank. Unfortunately, most of our guns only go up to about strength nine. Mm-hmm. So we can the Grey Knights, aside from the librarians who deal. A f- a skosh of mortal wounds. Um, we don't have a lot to uh, to bring down the big stuff. And that was actually, it was a big mistake that I made in my first game, was I was like, ah, I shall get this rhino off the board. One turn of shooting and psychic later, there was still a rhino on the board, and I was, in fact, off of it. Oh. So <laughs> so we're, uh, we're hoping to not make the same mistake. That's what it's all about. Well, and you also... Um... You've got a little bit of an advantage in melee in a lot of ways because you've so, got those thicker boys. Yes, the, the invuln as well that uh, knights famously do not have in melee. Correct. And so, um, you know, that, that was something that tripped me up a lot last edition is going and trying to hold an objective right. and then having somebody, you know, some, some uh, custodies coming right. in and being like, hey, bud, <laughs> you're sitting still. <laughs> yep. Bonk, bonk, my friend. Um, and that, speaking of sitting on objectives, um, I believe armagers have an OC of eight in this edition, oh, right and we haven't, uh, we, uh, obviously this is your first game, mm-hmm. and are, are you pretty familiar with the way that OC works, or is that? Nope, uh, well, I, I, it, it, I understand that that kind of counts for, like, the quote-unquote number of models. Like, exactly. last edition, it would, like, the armagers would have been, I think it was five, and then right. the big ones were ten. Absolutely. So we got eight, and then I don't know what the big Yeah, I'm not sure what a Questorius or a Dominus or what have you is. Um, but I know that, yeah, I think the Armagers can also get sticky objectives, oh, which nice. is very nice for zipping around. But uh, were they objective secured in the last edition as well? Yeah, the Armagers were. Uh, that's yep. And that is going to be a big difference in our mm-hmm. match today, is that uh, OBSEC is gone. That is not a feature yeah, that exists anymore. Okay. Um, it is just whoever has the higher OC. I kind of like that. I, I like it a lot as well. Because <laughs> yeah. it just seems so silly to have, like, three custodies uh, on an objective, and they don't actually have control of it because there's an orc. Right. <laughs> you know? One Imperial Guardsman. One, yeah, one Imperial Guardsman <laughs> is like, actually, this is mine, jerk butts. So get, get out of here. You don't get these points. Um, but, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing how the new edition plays out here. 
and how this works. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. I like I said, I, I I've been wanting to get a game on for a second. I wasn't playing there for a minute because we were getting toward the end of the last edition, and I didn't. I wanted to have my brain kind of clearer mm -hmm. of it before we came into this one, and I okay. had to start dealing with new rules like sustaining hits and lethal hits and plunging fire and whatnot, which. For just a second, I am so. Plung, I, I am both very ecstatic about plunging fire and a little sad about plunging fire because uh, it is something that I was bemoaning mm -hmm. when you were teaching me uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand in Ninth Edition was the lack of verticality to the game mm -hmm. because it's very much a three dimensional game with ruined walls with uh, you know multiple platforms and that sort of thing. But mm -hmm. as far as I could tell, getting up into a building just meant you got shot a little easier and there was no benefit to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you are over six inches off the ground in verticality, you now get an additional negative one AP on your shooting, oh. which I greatly appreciate um, Games Workshop doing, but I am a little confused about the way that they have gone about the rules because mm. anyone who's bought Games Workshop terrain is aware that the second floor is about five inches off the ground. Oh. So you either need to spend two to three turns moving an infantry up two flights of stairs... Mm. Uh, or have something with massive movement that can just zip on up there. I don't know. Uh, something that powerful. It, I mean, it's, it's good, yeah. but I don't, I don't understand why it's, I don't think it's powerful enough to dedicate two full turns to it. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to do that with a six inch movement, I think that's, that's a lot of wasted space and potential. There's, there's a big trade off to get that extra negative one, AP, yeah, which you're right. Sure. Thinking of like a 10 man group of Primaris intercessors mm -hmm. with their, negative one AP bolt rifle for some reason, um, getting up top there and then just laying down a bunch of AP negative two in a fairly low AP edition. Right. Uh, that's going to be pretty devastating, but it will be hard to get them to fit all up there and it will be quite the uh, challenge to get them, unless you're dropping them out of the sky or what have sure, you. Sure, sure. But... Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out too. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun new keywords. I yeah. really appreciate the, the streamlining, the universal special rules where... Instead of every data sheet having some weird wording to talk about how <laughs> their, their their own unique exploding hits work, mm -hmm. uh, Malark can just say, this knight has exploding hits on this gun, and I know exactly what he's talking about. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Hallelujah. Yeah, you don't have to be intimately familiar with each army to understand what each... Like, if you go up against a, a new army, and they're sitting there talking to you, and you're like... I'm certain that was English. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. but... <laughs> I, I'm not always. <laughs> I have I have I have begun and I know I am I am for those at home, I am a nerd, deep down. But I am the kind of nerd who just wants to hit other nerds. And I don't I care a lot less about painting my skin green and Bellagarth or, or doing any funky stuff like that. And I I don't read the Warhammer lore, but I have started listening to a Warhammer audiobook while I paint and while I uh while I glue my models together, and let me tell you I understand about 30% of what is being said on any given page or chapter. <laughs> well, it, it'll, it'll get better and better. I remember when I first started the Horus Heresy, I was like, I'll learn more about this. There's, there's a lot about this that I, like, what, what is Mark III armor? I don't, right. I don't, and now, of course, I can picture it's, it in my it's, head. It's the Beaky Boys. Yeah. Yeah, I, work, I worked at a game store, at a friendly local gaming store for over a year. And I still don't know what the heck is going on <laughs> in between the pages of this Custodes novel. Oh, goodness. Well, we can sit down and I can, I can help you a little, a little bit with that. Perfect, too. please. <laughs> uh, well, before we get started here, I would, I'd love to talk just a little bit about that Leviathan. Absolutely. Uh, pack that you had talked about. Mm -hmm. Because one of the biggest issues that I've noticed 
is the in, inconsistency between games because of terrain issues. Absolutely. Um, and that was something that they started to, to figure out last edition when it came to, um, like, especially the, the, like, tournament where it was, like, the big block and then it was yeah. offset and everything. The, the area obscuring terrain type yeah. thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I liked something like that because, again, when, when I enter into my games with, like, you or Kaji or TF, we do mm. so in good faith. Absolutely. And we're trying to build a board that is going to be fun to play on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and not overly advantageous to one person. Or uh, an equitable playing field. Yeah. But we don't always have the right terrain for it. Certainly. And we're certainly not going to be only going against people who have each other's interests at heart. So Absolutely. having something like this, where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, you're playing this you know, mission, you're having these secondaries. Absolutely. And, and so you then have a, a terrain set that you use, which is mm -hmm. pretty cool. And for, for those playing the home game, and maybe if you haven't read the Leviathan Tournament Companion just yet, uh, there is a tournament mission pool uh, and prior to this being released today, uh, the way that a mission was played was that you drew it from a deck. And so you would have a kind of a random primary and a random uh, mission rule. And in my first game, my mission rule was uh, you cannot deep strike onto objectives. Hmm. And with an army that says you can just deep strike about five times a turn, right. that means that my board is a lot smaller than my opponent's. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> and so I was, I was a little sour at, at just how hard I got countered by a, by a deck of cards in my first game of Warhammer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with this, this should, uh, like we were speaking earlier, make it a bit more equitable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we, uh, let's say we randomly decide which of these tournament-generated layouts and, and primary missions... Um, I have lost my train of thought completely. The caboose is off the tracks. Sorry. Which of these layouts and primary missions are, are fair to us, even if Malark and I randomly roll one that is super unfair to, to him or to myself, mm -hmm. we can make a change. We can say, let's go with this other one that looks right. well-built for our purposes, that will allow us to have a good game. Yep. Because beyond anything, I think that uh, a good game is a fun game. Oh, yeah. A game that both of us have a chance of winning and a game that both of us don't feel... Uh, cheated or helpless in any fashion mm -hmm. and i think this uh the tournament mission pool really helps accomplish that with its in-depth terrain layouts and with its uh predetermined mission rules i think so too and it shows that games workshop has been like watching the scene like they've been watching what's working in some of the other tournament scenes and mm -hmm. saying okay you know these things are, are things that people like these things are balancing absolutely because of course if games workshop makes a game that is more balanced and easier to be competitive with more people are going to buy more models exactly and so it is it is in their best interest to make a fun and and engaging game for us and approachable as well yeah absolutely. and having to find your rules in 15 different uh codices oh, and yeah. <laughs> a copy of White Dwarf that came out seven and a half months ago. Right. Um, it's not exactly approachable. You have to be really interested in playing Warhammer 40,000. Unfortunately, a lot of the folks that play Warhammer 40,000 are indeed very interested in sure. playing 40K. Sure. Uh, I think an edit, uh, Games Workshop has cultivated a following that really is engaged with the IP. Um, but if they want... The, I, Leviathan has been a huge success. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of new folks have bought that box. It was probably the biggest discount on models GW has ever released mm -hmm. in terms of their own value that, sure. that's provided in the box. And I would really like to see this momentum carry forward mm -hmm. with GW making the game more approachable with universal special rules, with, you know, these, these terrain layouts that are handy and uh, trying to make sure that the game is fun for pl players of any army. Um, and I, I feel like they are, they are on the path to doing a darn fine job with that. Obviously, 
I'm a gamer. I'm going to have some gripes. Hmm. But uh, but I, I'm very pleased with it. How are you feeling about it, Mark? You know, I as, as much as I know, not having played it and knowing how everything goes together, mm-hmm. I like the way that this edition looks. Understandable. Now, here in a little bit, when we do our, our post-review, I may be spitting mad and hating this edition. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we'll be able to find out together. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's get to it. And then, you know, here, it's going to be a couple seconds for you guys and a couple hours for us, but we'll be back in just a few to talk about how this game went. And we're back for a little post game wrap up. Um, well, I think firstly, it was one of the first things that happened on the board that we should discuss is the power of that volcano lance. Yeah. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. It can, uh, it can it can delete something. That's for sure. It took out a land raider in one shot. Yep. So, I had never gone against a land raider before, and I still barely have. Yep. <laughs> but uh, no, that was that was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed the volcano lance last edition, and it is just as powerful. This, I mean, it's again, it's a ship to ship weapon in the lore. It's right. it's made to be ouchy. Oh, certainly. Um, but yeah, I, but uh, yeah, let's talk about the rest of that game. Um, I felt like. My strongest activity that I did there was field control. Right. Was trying yeah, absolutely. to develop my like bubbles and being like, mm-hmm. okay, like there, there was at one point that I feel like I had coverage over half the field. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, uh, one thing we could also go over is what missions and stuff we were playing oh, that's and give, give point, some folks man. because that yeah. was not decided when we recorded this first. Yeah, that's all the point. And uh, I have my book in my backpack in my car right now, but I think I, I remember it pretty well. The mm-hmm. mission that we ran was uh, Supply Lines, mm-hmm. and the uh, mission secondary that we got was Chilling Rain, which uh, viewers may know means there's no additional rule. Uh, sometimes you'll get a second rule in 10th edition, mm-hmm. something like you cannot drop... You cannot uh, deep strike onto an objective or, it's, you know, random random uh, small changes that affect both armies sure. and affect the game at hand. Uh, and then we had uh, Search and Destroy mm-hmm. was our deployment zone layout. And I believe we used Table Layout 3, and that was the information that we had. So if you care to listener you are you are free to see exactly the battle that uh, that was laid up <laughs> slightly place. different we did have a mirrored deployment we did be, uh, due to the the constraints of our of the playing area mm-hmm. um, we decided it would be best for us to, to swap some things around but uh, but no pretty darn close to the book mm-hmm. so that that sets the scene there and as Malark was saying he did a very good job with uh, having board control uh, certainly and uh, one big thing right now, there, there's going to be changes to a couple of things about the game that I think a lot of players have, have come forward and and had, you know, pros and cons with. Mm-hmm. The Eldari, for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their fate dice, historically, you've been able to use one per uh, unit per turn. Mm-hmm. And right now, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Which uh, means that with their devastating wounds cannons that do D6 damage, they can just have d6 plus four devastating wounds guaranteed three or four times on their wraith knights every turn right and just it's it's a little too much like we were saying uh i guess yesterday for us Mm -hmm. but uh, a couple minutes ago for for (laughs) y'all um (laughs) uh there the the, uh devastating wounds is very strong presently Mm -hmm. and uh the strongest things in the game are things that kind of uh, benefit devastating wounds or, or apply as many as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so big, big changes coming to 10th already, which I think is, is very cool. And I like it that uh, GW is listening to players Absolutely. for sure. 
So, well, like we talked before about the kind of simplification of a lot of it, you know, mm -hmm. I think that they're looking at the tournament scene. They're looking at um, what's what's going well right. and saying, how can we make more money? How can we bring more people in? When right. a fair game is is kind of how you do it. I think it is. But um, but yeah, I, I knew immediately after because I fought the Grey Knights before. I've both Toto and Kaji play mm -hmm. Grey Knights. I've got plenty of practice against them. Right. And that mobility is just lethal, especially this edition. It's it's it is something else. This edition, that's for darn sure. Especially with the Terminators just blinking all over the field. My mm -hmm. my little DA who are gathering dust right now are sitting there just like, <laughs> man, I wish we could do that. But uh, but yeah, so I knew I had to hamper that. I knew I Absolutely. had to make sure I had a solid back line, which is where I put my armager Helbrins, because mm -hmm. they go DACA, and then my, my big stompy boy and whatnot, the the Castellan, they got to be in the back line, kind of holding Just down the fort. Shooting stuff away. Yeah. Um, I put my Castorus, I had a Knight Errant, and mm -hmm. I put him kind of in the mid, uh, prepared to, if, if Toto did break through in a particular area, mm -hmm. he was there to go up and punch him yep. uh, back out of the thing. And then I had all my Warglaives just kind of in a screen, uh, ahead of all that and it gave me it, it really hampered your ability to like use that maneuverability to like box me in a it lot. did it did yeah and uh the due to the missions we were playing in which we had we we were uncertain i think this is a big thing and I, hopefully this gets faq'd mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. malak and i were uncertain with supply drop whether or not the home objectives actually scored you any victory points yeah we didn't actually because end. yeah <laughs> because rules as written it doesn't seem like they do it seems mm -hmm. like only no man's land objectives score you victory points so we both kind of we set up to kind of guard our home points uh but then that wasn't exactly how the game transpired moving forward so we already had only three scorable objectives, and then in supply line, the uh, no man's land objectives also leave. So it was really a very much a board control spaced game, and I certainly couldn't chisel away at your knights. And the 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 omega objective, as it was called, which is the last scoring objective that will be left on the field in the game, was was. Very close oh, to, to where you spawned, much easier, which much was easier uh, for me to get. Much yeah, easier. it was uh, it was uh, a hop, skip, and a jump for you, and and uh, a warp fueled blink for my gray knights, yeah. which uh, was definitely it was tough. So I, I feel like you screened very well. You took control of the most important objective in the game, mm -hmm. and then you made it as hard as possible for me to move forward through your armagers and your uh, melee questoris. Mm -hmm. uh, all the while, you had your uh, uh, Castellan, is that yep, what it is? In, in the back, mm -hmm. that was uh, shooting land raiders off the board. Uh, well, you kept your head down for the rest of it. Like I, I, I did. I'm pretty sure I shot that one thing with the Castellan, and then he just sat, sat there and looked mean for yes. the rest of the game. <laughs> yes, and, and so it is. Uh, it was definitely. Um, it, it was scary. It was scary. watching that you know disappear like that. I was like, well, that's a bummer, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want to get shot by that. So I played a very timid game. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, that definitely bit me in the end. Malark came, uh, we, we ended battle round, the start of battle round four, I think. Yeah. We, we shook hands and called it Because uh, we had Malark's just taken game. away the alpha objective. Yep. We had decided that, like, points-wise, there was, because, again, I, yep. I had, I, there was no way for you to get up that Omega objective. There, there was no way. There was no way for me to get to the last scorable objective unless I walked up field and slaughtered about ten knights. To do so, which I don't think my, my boys were going to do as they had been kind of getting getting 
picked off a bit. Um, and of course, this was both of our first games of 10th. It was our first introduction to the battle sheets, the abilities. The and toughness and strength. Yep, and we both made we both made misplays. We both got rules wrong. Mm-hmm. We both forgot abilities um, to, at the start of the game. I don't think Malark knew about the feel-no-pain that tight t- uh, the Knights I did, have. but I completely forgot about it. Oh, fair enough. Right up until I went back and looked at it, it was like, oh yeah, that's a, yep, that's got a that. thing. And uh, and I definitely misplayed a few of my units as well. Yeah, the paladins uh, particularly. Wasn't yes, it? The, yeah. it was it was the paladins in particular. Um, and I, I even built my list wrong. I, I included the wrong model in my list. Oh. And so my my combo that I was like, let's go, we're gonna combo. And then I was like looking at my data sheets uh, after charging a knight. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> this was a worse idea than it was five minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, that that was that was uh, definitely some. Uh, some learning for both of us, for sure. But uh, beyond just the single game, how did you feel about 10th? I honestly really like it. I, I feel like it's a lot more streamlined, for mm-hmm. one thing. Like, once we actually got into the rhythm, and I and like we, we, we had smoothed out what the different, like, core words were, because, again, like you had said, like, the, having the special rules, like, oh, all condensed. So nice. Oh, fantastic. Uh, such easy communication. And mm-hmm. that's what... It, this is a game about communication. Yep. Right? And so making it as simple as possible... Mm-hmm. To inform, uh, you know, my buddy Malark, who hasn't played against Grey Knights in 10th edition, what my guns do is it has devastating wounds and it has rapid fire. Boom. Bada boom, bada bing. Knows everything. So much easier than ninth. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing. Not to interrupt. No, 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 no. It's an excellent point. Um, but no, I, I like that aspect of it. I enjoy the fact, like, I mean... It's, it's a toss-up for me because, again, one of the joys of playing a Psyker Army, as I'm sure you're aware, mm-hmm. is being able to find those different little spell combinations, or I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, power combinations, Indeed. That, uh, that make up a really nasty play. Mm-hmm. And with the limitations that are imposed, because like it's a model that has a power. Right. Like, it's not like we get to go through it and is. choose powers. Yeah, the, the powers are attached to the data sheets of the units these days. And that means that it's just so much faster. It is. It's like, you know what, I know that that librarian has this ability. Mm. It will always have this ability. And so even just looking at things makes it go way faster. Having the psychic phase and the other phases combined, I think, works really well. Because then you have um, the the psychic weapon being traded as, like, a weapon. Absolutely. Um, and, so, and you still have, like, the ability to manifest certain powers and whatnot. Like, there was mm-hmm. one of your librarians that did um, Vortex of Doom. All three of them did that. So you still have the ability to have that flexibility mm-hmm. and be able to do some cool powers while still having some sort of solid framework to build upon. Because, again, like, as we got on, like, we weren't losing a whole lot of units. Certainly not. Because, again, you were playing really defensive, staying mm-hmm. out of the way of my, my big stompy guy. Yep. Um, and I was not coming after you. I think that was the other good thing I did this game is I was was patient. Very smart of you because that's kind of I was hoping to goad you Mm -hmm. uh, several times in the game into a a more forward spot that would allow me to (laughs) get behind me, drop down and put in (laughs) as many mortal wounds onto big things as I could. Sure, and uh, you were very patient, made me come to you, Mm -hmm. and made me kind of chisel my way through through the wall, which was very smart. Um, And yeah, so so kind of having. All that stuff, again, streamlined, uh, it just got so much faster. Absolutely. And I think that we're going to be, because, I mean, even though we, we like to hang out. Absolutely. like to chit-chat and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Ninth just lent itself to longer games. It did. So even though we enjoy chat, chit-chatting and hanging out, there's a solid possibility that we might be able to get in two games when we hang out. Which I would love. Same. So 
by by and large, I really have no complaints with Tenth. I'm yeah. really digging it. I know that we had a back and forth on Towering. Absolutely. And as a guy who benefits from Towering, I might not be the best one to ask about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of... There's an uh, interesting thing to point out about Towering is that even in Games Workshop's battle reports, they're not mentioning anything, hmm. but they are boarding up all of their windows and their terrain so that Towering can't see through everything. They are effectively nullifying their own Towering keyword in their own battle reports because it's a little scary right now, I think. And I think a lot of folks think it's a little scary. And it, it definitely lent itself to my inability to move forward because right. if it can... If it can remove any, if if any unit of mine can be removed in a single shooting phase by a number of guns, mm-hmm. it is it is definitely hard to go across a board with little to no cover for sure. sure. So that makes a lot of sense. So I mean, like you said, for for balance issues, it'll probably be FAQ'd a wine so. for about point so. five seconds before I get over it, and <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we'll move forward. And what I really hope is that they they find something equitable. Yeah. Because I think that there is certainly a unique and thematic and fluffy aspect to the size of the models. Mm -hmm. A tiny goblin should kind of probably feel like a tiny goblin in the game. And a massive mech knight with a billion pounds of guns on it uh, should probably feel like a massive mech knight with a billion pounds of guns on it. Right, right. Um, And I think that what I really want, and I I actually, I I herfed out a a balancing idea that I I later heard that day on Auspex Tactics. Uh, And... I felt a little proud. I was like, oh, that, I guess that maybe that's not a terrible idea. And that was have towering work the way it does right now, but to shoot through a building to hit a, a unit, a target, have a minus one to hit. Have, you know, some sort of so something. I'd be so fine with that. Right? I'd be so fine with I think, that. I think, and uh, a lot of folks are also saying that towering as a keyword should be higher costed. Mm-hmm. It should just, if, if a Castellan has towering, mm-hmm. that keyword alone should be worth like 100 points, something oh. like that. And then that should jump up pretty highly respectively so it would be it is undoubtedly a powering ability much like the the fate dice for the eldari sure um but i think there are ways that it can be tuned that will leave everyone happy Mm -hmm. and that's what i think everyone hopes games workshop lands on you know and even i do again it's nice to have an advantage but but what i really want is a game where i can bring the army i want to the table my friend can bring the army they want to the table and we can have a good game regardless and of no one that. stomps their feet and goes ah, i'm playing the night ah, like i do so well, most people do I, I, it is rare that i have it a is. friend who doesn't tf figured out a like all melt a list uh-huh. that was like come at me bro well, well, and, that, and was that's, a, that was an awful list to go up and against. that's that's the night the nature of knights they are they are themselves a skew list there is no mm-hmm. way to build the knights presently that isn't a bunch of tanks right and yeah. so I can build an anti-tank killer list mm-hmm. and I can win the game, but that's not very fun for you. Right. But the, the, if I bring an all-comer list, it's going to be a struggle, right? Because right. it's just a bunch of tank in my face. So that's a, it's definitely a challenge in balancing four games workshop. And right. I, I hope they find a sweet spot. I think they did it at the end of ninth. It was getting I, there. Anyways, it was, they, but it was so labyrinthian. That it, was the I mean, problem. yes, but the the whole edition was right. Yeah, it was so yeah. hard to, and yes, it was hard to play correctly, mm-hmm. and it was hard to play correctly against. But at the you know what we have as a highest level of gameplay in Warhammer, they had a fifty percent win rate. Right, and that I think is as that's as good as it's ever going to get. Right, I agree. So, yeah, no, I. Uh... I'm quite fond of, of the uh, the tenth. It sounds like you are, are probably a little bit of a fan of it as well. I am. I think I they did a lot of things correct. Well, um, 
Yeah, I, I love playing this game against you, dude. I look forward to playing our next game. And uh, for the rest of y'all, um, have an excellent gaming time yourself, and we will talk at you next time. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't had enough of the art of wargaming in your life, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, where I occasionally post funny and educational memes. If you want to get in touch with the show directly, you can email us at artofwargamingpodcast at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have. Also be sure to check out all of our sister shows on the Earworm Network, including General Nerdery, Word Balloons, Fried Squirms, and more. We're working hard on having something for everyone. And again, you can find those at earverm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M. You can also find that in the show notes. But for now, this has been Yaga Malark, signing off. Mm-hmm.